Good morning, Daily Huddle. Welcome to Wednesday. It's hot here in Atlanta, and somebody told me it's supposed to be 101 tomorrow. The Daily Huddle is a growing tribe of passionate people who want to uplift humankind through their work and throughout their communities. We invite you to elevate the way you experience life through rich and inspiring conversations with today's thought leaders. Be prepared to challenge your views about leadership, health, money, spirituality, communication, and relationships. Welcome to The Daily Huddle. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday, where we talk about everything relationships and communication, because Tara and I are passionate about that. And so now we get to dive into our question of the day, which is how do you communicate when there are barriers? And Tara came up with this question um, and brought it to me and said, we both have barriers with our children. And then we started talking and because my son speaks with a communication device, so he doesn't speak the way that you and I do. And some, and he doesn't say feelings and emotions and big, long sentences about things. It's more practical, like I want to eat and I want to go outside. So there's a lot of things that he can say and a lot of things that he can't say verbally. And Tara has barriers of communication with her daughter, Caroline. And the more we talked about it, we talked about all the different ways in which there are barriers. Language is only one of them, right? So we wanted to open up this conversation and I don't know where it's going to go. So I'm excited for the juicy discovery. Yeah, I'm excited too. It's it's interesting because we were first thinking about barriers to communication as it relates to my daughter who has major neurocognitive disorder. That's the official, but basically um, she has difficult time putting her words together. And she has to really work hard to do that. And your son can't put words together verbally at all. And yet I would say that you and your son are deeply, deeply connected. And certainly Caroline and I are very, very connected. And so it got me thinking. And so I want to take a step back because that's, that is in the life of some folks, but I think that we face communication barriers really more often than we're aware of. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine most folks have heard that there is research to show, and this is where it's empowering. There's research to show that when we speak, when we speak verbally, communicate verbally, um, people retain about 7% of the words that we say. And the rest of it, what they're absorbing and what they're retaining is coming from other ways that we are communicating. So when we stop and think about that, that kind of puts language in the backseat with the exception of when we're writing, which I think is why I love to write. Um, But we're talking about verbal communication. So before we dive into the barriers, I want to define what some barriers are and then share a little bit of research. Um, And this was partly inspired because my son's girlfriend speaks Spanish. She knows next to no English. And when she goes and visits some parts of my ex-husband's family, they all get together. She's hurt because no one greets her. No one says much to her. And it's hurtful to her. And I think that they and I defended them and said they're loving folks. They just simply don't know how. So let's talk a little bit about that. I've got some research for us, though, which I think is really fascinating. So let's talk. Start, start with the way Americans communicate. We are direct and we are efficient because we are a time is money type of culture. 
We also, and this is, I think, super fascinating. We are a transmitter-minded culture in America. So we are much more focused on what we want to say and put out into the world than we are into bringing it back. The opposite of that is in Asia, the complete opposite. Asians honor respect. They, they, they think about respect and honor above all else. So what do they do? They listen, they observe, and they reflect before communicating. And so when we remember that, that really, really shrinks the barrier when we're communicating just with that particular culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you a few others. The Hispanic community, their language is very poetic, right, Rashida? <laughs> um, and they tend to really value relationships so much so that they're not as direct as Americans. They hold back on any form of negativity. And um, so that's something to acknowledge when we have that language barrier. And I'll leave you with one last one, and then um, we'll talk about this. The other culture that I've studied a little bit, and this just makes my heart glow, is African-American culture. And African-Americans tend to be much louder, which can come over as aggressive. But really, in truth, they have a much more celebratory nature. And this takes me back to years ago when I used to work, uh, I used to serve as high schools and we were there during the lunchtime doing the work that we did. And one of the schools that I went to was about 98% African-American and hands down, it was my favorite school to go to because it was so loud in there more than all the other schools. And it had this energy of celebration. I didn't know what anybody was saying. I wasn't listening to their words, but I got some energy from that that made me feel connected. So I I know that's a lot, (laughs) but there's so many barriers when it relates to communication. It's not just language. Right. You know, it's so interesting. What what immediately stood out to me is oftentimes at work, we or a meeting or whatever, we think about what we're going to say, what we're going to present. Right. And you're telling me that that's like that people are going to remember 7% of whatever that is. And so it got me thinking, like, what about preparing about how I communicate this message in all in all of my being? Hmm. How do I show up? How is my energy? Because oftentimes I particularly am guilty of slacking off on that, running from meeting to meeting, don't have time to prep on that part of it. You know, sometimes don't have time to prep on the verbal part, you know, and just hope I can get it right and show up and I'm tired. And I, you know, it's not the energy I want to communicate. Is so interesting. I wonder how much more successful we would be and whatever our goals are, if we brought the energy of what we were trying to achieve or do or communicate everywhere we went. Well, if anybody has that skill, I've seen you do that. And that's a little bit where I was going in my mind is what if I brought the same energy that I bring to Caroline to everybody else in the world? And what if you did the same thing with how you communicate with Michael? Like we Mm -hmm. have to lean in so much more to nuances. Like Caroline's facial expressions are magical. I mean, they're so expressive because she does not have the ability to quickly put words together. And so I'm always really paying attention to her face and Mm -hmm. her posture. Mm. Well, you know, what's interesting about Michael is that when he was younger, he didn't have the communication device. So he had no way of communicating other than the typical ways that, you know, sound, crying, sound. So he, so he would start like banging loud things if he wanted your attention 
he would start throwing things that will trust me if you are upstairs and all the silverware in the silverware drawer starts to be thrown across the room it gets your attention <laughs> he got very wise as to how to get what he needed so what started happening is i got really attuned to his nuanced like you say facial expressions behaviors to tone of his voice when he was making noises etc so i could start to tell what he wanted but here's the problem with that. I spent a lot of time doing that and it wasn't translatable to anyone else in the world. Oh, yes. Fascinating. <laughs> he's getting feedback at home like this works, this works, this works. Then he goes out into the world and he's not able to get what he wants, right? Because they don't respond in the same way. And so I'm not sure how that relates in the broader picture other than how we read other people's facial expressions. We're taking in, what is it? 10 million bits of data every minute, something amazing. And that is the look on your face. Are you looking away from me? Is it how you're sitting? Is it, you know, all of it. And, and a lot of that's running in our subconscious in the background. And I just wonder how we could use this awareness of how we communicate to bring deeper connection between people, you know, cause that's always where we're looking. Wow. For me, I wonder if a little bit of it starts with taking a, some notes from the Asian community and just really listening and reflecting and observing first. Mm -hmm. um, the one relationship, one of the relationships that I haven't mentioned is with my mother-in-law. She speaks only German, no, no English, except for she did learn to say to me, Teha, I love you. Oh. And the first time I ever heard it, I'm not kidding you. I started crying. Oh. We have a beautiful connection and we, you know, with my son's girlfriend, we can communicate through the translator text. Well, she doesn't right. even have yeah. cell phones, but we don't even have that. Mm -hmm. so we built this connection of love and trust without language. And I'm still trying to really figure out how to share how we've done that. So that the lesson can be here. And I yeah, think, well, help me with it. I, I know a lot of it's being present and listening and paying attention. Yeah. Well, I would correct you a little bit to say that without verbal language, because you are using language, body Thank language, you. Yes, yes. you know, it's just without the verbal. So the verbal is such a small part of it. Well, I think it's interesting because you said with Carolina and also for me with Michael, it's like you lean in more, you want your, you know, I'm paying attention to the whole picture with him because there's, there's more that I need to glean from it. And so my guess is you're doing the same with your mother-in-law. You're, you're much more conscious about how you're showing up energetically because the words aren't there to coincide with whatever body language you might use or facial expression, you know? Um, and I, yeah. And I also find myself and, and I think, you know, what if I took this mentality out into the world? I study her yeah, because I want to know exactly. her so differently. So I really pay attention to her tone, what she's doing, how she's spending her time, her voice, her energy. Mm -hmm. And I just feel so connected to it. Yeah. So I, I think I want to take that mentality out into the world and study other people that maybe I don't because I'm waiting for words. Mm. Yeah, it's that curiosity. And I think that coupled with the transmitter I think you said society that we can be, mm -hmm. I often find myself wanting to get in there and speak. That's my urge, right? It's part of who I am, I guess, our culture, whatever, but to stop before I do slow down and listen, even if it's just for one more beat, you know, to hear, and then also ask myself, why do I want to speak? And usually it's, it's a, in coaching, we call it a level one desire. It's something that's going to serve me. 
Mm-hmm. And if I realize that, I asked, do I really need this need met right now? Or can I just broaden that out and just listen a little bit more? Because people love to be heard. People need to be heard and so often aren't heard. Um, I can tell you a little bit of brain science around that need to to be prepared to speak. There's a couple things going on there. And one is we feel more safe when we can control a narrative. Mm -hmm. So even when, and many of us have heard this before, but the science behind it really is fascinating. Even when we're really trying hard to listen, we find ourselves preparing to speak Mm -hmm. because we want to keep the, the, the space safe. And that goes back to our reptilian brain, our amygdala. It, we're constantly looking to preserve, preserve energy and to find ourselves in a safe, comfortable space. Mm-hmm. So it takes practice and intention to what I say, what I call abandon our agenda, not worry about what we're going to say next and just fully, fully give ourselves to listening. Mm-hmm. And being present. I mean, it always, always, always comes back to being present. Yep. There's the present moment is full it is abundant, it is complete, and it is whole. Like everything is right here. Um, and I do want to hear, I see we've got some hands raised. I want to hear from Cece. What are you hearing today? Good morning. Good morning. Um, what I'm hearing, uh, this is an um, a excellent um, topic. And uh, thank you. Thank you for the time that you took to listen and do the research. Um, because it does bring value. What I, what I have learned through my life of traveling all around the world, um, and I've learned about many cultures, and I don't speak every language. However, love, uh, communication, consideration, kindness, um, respectfulness, is something um, that is universal. It doesn't, it didn't require words for me to show that. Um, Listening to a person is one of the most generous things that you can do for the other person as well as yourself. Um, I I, I just really um, understand cultural uh, differences um, because of my experience living in several countries, um, traveling around the world, and I've learned so much from all kinds of people, all kinds of cultures. And what I've learned is that love transcends everything. Kindness also does. And so that breaks through any of the barriers because sometimes you can get a sense of how you can help another person without them saying anything um, just one thing and I'm going to get off. I I was in Barcelona, uh, Spain, and I couldn't speak Spanish very well. And I remember fumbling with a bunch of bags at the uh, bus station. And this lady comes up to me and she says, in Spanish, I can help you. I didn't know that's what she was saying, but I got a sense that that's what it meant. And I said, oh, no, 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 gracias. Um, You know, you're, you're too old to be helping me. And she said, and I understood, and I don't even know Spanish. She said, but you need help. And I looked at her and I said, yeah. 
all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, you're breaking up on it. I want to, I wish we could keep hearing what you're saying, Cece, but that was a beautiful, beautiful reminder and such a powerful story. So I sure hope you can hear us. That, I mean, you, 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 I think expressed it better than we've, we've been able to thus far. So thank you for that beautiful reminder. Love is a universal language. Yes. Thank you, Cece. Tom. Oh, good morning, Tara, Catherine. Thank you. Yeah. Very, very good topic. You know, as we're talking about other cultures, um, just reminds me, I, through the military, I've been formally trained as a foreign force advisor. I've worked with over 40 different countries, militaries. And one of the things that was impressed upon us uh, so thoroughly was, um, you know, it, it all starts with the relationship. Nothing is possible without a relationship, particularly like in an Arab culture or some of these other, other cultures. And so, you know, to have a relationship, of course, you have to have connection. And Tara, you said the words a few minutes ago, you know, building connection of love and trust. And so I, I'm sure Catherine and Terry, you know, with, with your kids or, or in any relationship, you know, having that type of connection. And then the related lesson for us was, okay, it all starts with a relationship, but no matter how difficult the situation gets, save the relationship. Don't have it, you know, fall off so badly. And, and, and to have experienced that, overseas, but then to try to apply it at work, in the community, or in my family relationships, to see just how universally applicable that is. Just focus on the relationship, and then what's, you know, behind that relationship. So I'd let you comment, but thank you. Thanks, Tom. I mean, you know, what stood out to me the most is, um, that's why Tara and I do this. This is what we're passionate about because so often, especially in this culture that you described, the hustle culture, you know, it's transactional. You are a means to my end, you know, mm-hmm. and people feel that as we're talking about communication. I mean, some level of that, they're feeling it. They can feel it when you slow down and listen. And, you know, to Cece's point, that doesn't take words always. It doesn't take verbal language. And you described it well, too, in talking about all the different countries and cultures. I mean, certainly you did not learn the every single nuance of each of those cultures. There's no way. But we are all humans. And how do we relate to one another and bring our best and, you know, share the message that we really, truly want to not maybe how I'm feeling right now. I'm not resourced. I'm tired. I'm grumpy. Mm-hmm. No, that's not what I want to communicate. How do I then shift myself to be who I want to, you know, who I want, need to be to communicate what I want to communicate? Yeah, and Cece made a great point about, yeah, you don't have to know the the language. You can communicate non-verbally and still build connection and then form a relationship with somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that what you shared, Tom, is making me think that an easy shift, like Catherine talks so much about being present and that takes practice and intention. And I think for me, I, I need to attach words to it. That's just how my brain is. And you gave me those words. And I'll tell you what they are is in communication, rather than working so hard to either transmit or even understand, maybe I should be seeking relationship. And how freeing is that mindset? I'm only here to seek connection. Whatever that may look like, I don't know. I'm not at the end of that yet, or I'm not farther into that journey, but to think, to just simply seek connection, that's powerful. So thank you. Bye.
<laughs> I think we're done. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, I'd I love think, it. I think it's so true because Terry, you and I find that when we get to plan our retreats together, you know, we worry about the particles. We're, you know, thinking about that. And then we both stop, look at each other and go, we need to get connected, ha- hang out, have a good time. Everything else will fall into place. We yeah. can lean on one another and then we can handle any glitch in the schedule or whatever. But if we're not connected, it, it's much bumpier. You know, it's we are having a hard time finding each other and what's going on. So I think you're so right to start with relationship. You know, where I've really struggled, since, especially since the pandemic and especially since the elevation of the, for lack of better words, the Me Too movement is I'm a toucher. Like I touch people, I touch shoulders, I touch arms, I hug, I pat backs. I do it when I speak, like I will be in the audience today. Like, and I've, I've started to hold back on that, which makes me hold back my spirit and my passion. And I struggle with that. So I'm kind of curious, like, how do you all feel when someone that you don't know very well, when they touch your arm or touch your shoulder, is it offensive? Yes, Sorrel. Uh, I'm a toucher too, uh, Tara. So it works the other way around. If I'm there and somebody's not coming close enough or shaking my hand or, or holding my shoulder in a way, I interpret that as they're aloof and distant. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that I find works in this environment is actually just in the, in, in the vein of seeking relationship, just asking for permission and saying, uh, I'm a toucher, I'm a hugger. <laughs> and uh, if you're around me and you come within a hundred yards, that's what you're gonna get. Yeah. Do you mind? And some people actually are courageous enough to say, yes, I do. I request you don't touch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and others go, that is a great reminder i have done that before and i think it it leaves my brain more often than i would hope so thank you for that powerful reminder i i was doing a workshop a couple weeks ago and i said to a gal who said something really prophetic i said "Uh, i'm a toucher may i hold your hand and she said yes so Yeah. And Cece chimed in and said that it depends on the intention of the person. And I agree for me, I'm not always, I might, or I might not. Um, It would be difficult if somebody asked for permission for me to say, no, absolutely not, unless I really didn't feel comfortable. But I think this goes back to nonverbal communication because I'm reading cues of the room since it's not my natural go-to like you and Sorrel. So I might be reading cues and saying, "Mm, uh, yeah, I'm good, you know, or yes, oh my gosh, you look so warm and inviting. So it's interesting how we're still picking, you know, we're always picking up on that, that data, that information that people are, are putting off. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that. And that's, yeah, something to navigate because I, I don't want to lose touch. I watch the French, you know, how they greet each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I want that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, you know, um, yeah, go ahead, Cyril. Uh Something else just came to mind earlier, Tara, you were talking about seeking relationships as opposed to looking to transmit and so on. And and what dawned on me was that, oh my God, I'm always in relationship with others. Perhaps the barrier to relationship that has me seek relationship is up here 
like whatever it is, I might be thinking about them, about the situation, about myself, like literally the mm -hmm. context inside of which I'm walking and living my life gives me relationship or not. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm saying that to say that maybe what I'm discovering is maybe seeking relationship has nothing to do with anything out here. Mm. It might have a whole bunch to do with something over here with me that I could check in and give up. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm right there in relationship. Ooh, I love that. That's really powerful. You're right. And that, that takes me back to needing the words to be present and mindful. Mm -hmm. And making assumptions, I think is another place because probably Sorel, where you're talking about what I, where I go to is I'm making assumptions about the situation or the person or whatever, which is creating the barrier in my mind. And what if I let go of those assumptions and assumed perhaps positive intent that whatever I'm thinking or see as a threat, I'm going to assume positive intent and what shifts. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. And perhaps the opportunity to, to assume nothing and see what shows up. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause the assumptions, whether positive or negative, I'm discovering they, they do cause me to wreck myself mm -hmm. uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> can't oh, that. we can't have that no. yeah I think for me if I'm assuming positive intent <clears throat> it doesn't mean that it's going to be a positive outcome it just means there's no ill will in the room I see you Gio we want to hear what you have to say <laughs> he's like I have something tell us what you got what you got on this thank you thank you thank you <laughs> Uh, what I was present in, as you were sharing about uh, the the interaction, the nonverbal communication about hugs or touch, uh, what it got me present was that for many years I was very much a non-hugger or a non-touch person, and um, and it felt for me for a long time as a as a real safe place to be in my life, but it was the huggers that the huggers that were sensitive to me, right? That helped me get to the other side. And like the like the the terrace of the world, like I am a hugger. I want to hug you. You're awesome. Uh, but I'm okay if you don't want to, right? I just want to celebrate that you're in my space. And uh, and little by little I went to, yeah, no, I, it's okay. I want to hug you. I want to hug you. And then it was like going to the matrix. It was going to the other side. Now I want to hug everybody. I just want to hug people. I don't care if you're smelly. I don't care if you had COVID. I don't care if you had cooties. I just want to hug you. And and that's, you know, for 10 years, I've never gotten sick from any hug. But I do remember how difficult it was mm -hmm. for me for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for sharing that because I think it is different for everyone. And I'll tell you, um, I do want to clarify touch it. I mean, it's there's hugging and there's kissing and there's touching skin and holding hands and touching shoulders. There's so many forms of it. And the reason why I share this is um, I had a mother-in-law. This was my first mother-in-law and she has um, since passed one of the sweetest, most loving women in the world. But we had a saying about Meemaw and it was a Meemaw hug. And she gave these hugs that were kind of symbolic. Like she kind of smack you on the back. <laughs> they weren't real hugs. And I have another friend, he's been on the Daily Huddle, his name's Steven. And we talk about Steven's hugs because when he hugs you, it is real. 
And I think that's kind of a great way for us to wind this up is we can talk at somebody, but we can truly seek to connect. We can give the Memo hug, or we can give that Steven hug where you just really breathe somebody in. And those are two completely different experiences, all without language. So yeah. What do you think, Catherine? It's beautiful. I think, I think it's what I'm hearing is intention and presence and be in relationship, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Oh, I love this family so much. I just uh, thank you all for being here and being a part of this. Um, Yes. Remind the world of August 12th. Oh man. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Talk about connection. There is one thing that we cannot do on this screen and it is to touch. (laughs) There's a lot of things we can't do on this screen, but that's something that we seek. And I would be so happy as with Catherine and Sorrel and Tom and Giovanni and all the hosts and all our family to hug you on August the 12th. We have powerful, empowering, exciting, and fun, entertaining information, a day full of connection, learning, and growing together. And we hope you'll be there. Go to thedailyhuddleevent.com. Did I say that right? Is you it did. Saying? Thank you. you did. Dailyhuddleevent.com. You'll be floored at how few pennies it will cost for you to spend the day Um, At the end of that day, I know leaving with unbelievable strategies and energy. So we hope to see you on August 12th, the dailyhuddleevent.com. Thank you, Sorrel. I forgot. And I'm so glad you reminded me. See you all next time on the Daily Huddle. At the Daily Huddle, we agree that the best way to kick off the day is to adhere to Patty Dabrowski's seven principles for having a happy body, sexy skin, a laughing spirit, and a rewarding life. Give. Give of your time, your full attention, and of your unique talents. Move. Move your body to keep it feeling energized and alive. Eat mostly plants. Plants are the purest fuel to help you reach your full potential each day. Sleep. Sleep is how the body repairs itself and readies us to give us our best every day. Stress less. According to John Perkins, stress is just a problem without a solution. Choose your solution and dismiss the stress. Laugh, laugh out loud. From your belly to your chest and with your head tossed back, you will fire up your endorphins and bring more energy to everyone around you. Love, most of all love. With your words, your thoughts, your actions, Power them with love and watch the way you experience life elevate to all it can be. We thank you for joining us on The Daily Huddle. We are a growing tribe of passionate professionals seeking to inspire a new generation of leaders. Until next time, go out and share your unique ability to impact the world. See you next time.